We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Solo Shift Week 14. I'm Squirrel Patrol. I'm joined by James Win from One Week Season. James, I, I actually don't really remember anything from last week other than Tyreek Hill and Zach Moss. And that my hot take was Bryce Young and that that did not pan out. You know, I actually, I played some, I, I, one, one of the things I love about doing a show like this with somebody like you is, and we talked about this before, like you'll say one or two things that sticks in my mind. It used to be the same way, way when I had that show with Hefe. Like I'll pick up one or two things that stick in my mind. And sometimes I don't end up pulling the trigger on them, but it like gives me one extra thing to think about. But yeah, I did like think about that Bryce Young thing. And I did like two or 3% Bryce Young rosters last week. So I was like, you know what? This is actually really sharp. Uh, didn't end up working out, but I do think it was, I do think it was sharp. Um, no, last week was the week to play, play high priced running backs and, and uh, get Debo Samuel and Brock Purdy. And that was about it. I had, like half the puzzle, right. I had kept talking about all the reasons to fade Zach Moss or like be underweight Zach Moss and the, all the ways he could fail. Uh, I had like 40% Brock Purdy last week, mixed and matched the 49ers across all my rosters, hundred percent Tyree kill. But I went like all cheap running backs, like Ramondre got hurt and Devin Singletary didn't keep the lead job and Javante Williams did nothing. So yeah, it didn't end up mattering that I was sharp on like 60% of things, but uh, we turned the page uh, onto this week. Yeah, onto onto week fourteen, and the only thing that can stop us from getting more Zach Moss, I think, is actually the breaking news with the Kansas City running backs. Uh, so Isaiah Pacheco is out, and I, I was actually talking this over with Blender this morning when it, it didn't seem all that likely that Pacheco would necessarily miss the game, uh, and I thought like, this could make a major impact on the slate because that that game has the highest total, and I think it's a game that people would want to stack, but it's it's too expensive to stack. But once if Pacheco is out, and now, now he is out, uh, then you have affordable running backs, although which one is, is a good question. And now you can afford more pieces from that game. I think it's going to lead to a lot more people landing on the Kansas City and Buffalo game. I hope you're wrong. I really like uh, my uh, my hot take is Josh Allen specific. So I, I, he's like currently sub 3% projected owned. But uh, yeah, hopefully it just leads to people kind of going – 
with the running back and not actually getting onto the game environment. But uh, that's a good call that it does free up the salary to make it a little bit more, a little more flexible to be able to go to those quarterbacks. I, I'm hoping that people still lean the Patrick Mahomes route, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's a slate where there's not a lot of super interesting games or, or like when you say what games could massively separate, there aren't a lot of games that could massively separate. So if the game, if the slate plays out in a way that one of the games massively separates, this is one of the ones that could. And so it, because of that, like that always stands out to me. Do you, do you ever read, I know this just broke about an hour before we, we started recording on whether like Clyde Edwards Alaire or Jared McKinnon or a split between the two um, you know, projections I have not updated on a lot of sites, you know, for, for this news, uh, but there was like some early prop lines come came out that uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think about 50 yards rushing, um, and both McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Hilaire at about two and a half receptions and 15 or 17 receiving yards. Um, that would put them both in play, I think. If you know, and if you give them about a 50 50 shot at a touchdown in a high scoring game, as the Kansas City running back, McKinnon probably a little bit less. Uh, that puts both of them in play as like a pretty good value running back. Uh, do you have a read between the two? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I wouldn't, I, I think 50% chance of a touchdown is probably pretty high, right? Cause Pacheco's got three over the last two weeks before that it was like four all season. Cause they just don't run the ball in the red zone. So I think that's pretty critical to think about is that one of the things is that it does compel, I'll say it like this, Kansas city has adjusted their offense to their personnel. That's what good teams do. And so they've developed this downhill running component to their game, not because it's like, oh, we want to do this. And, and so we'll fit any peg into this hole. It's just like, man, Isaiah Pacheco is this physical downhill runner. So now let's build that in. So I do think this leads to more passing. I think that this leads to more short area passing because they can't really get stuff going downfield. Um, and so I think that McKinnon steps in for a larger share of that role. I would think two and a half catches would seem pretty low. But also, I mean, they they talk up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire internally all the time like as if they still really like him so i do think that we see him take on the lead role i just don't think that it's as robust as pacheco's lead role so kind of like yeah i mean anywhere from 13 to 16 carries wouldn't surprise me a couple catches um at his price tag you know really interesting could could obviously put up like an eight point game as well at his price tag so uh, i don't think he's a smash play but he definitely steps into the mix it's interesting. You said they they still talk about him internally as though they really like him. They haven't been playing in them in his in their DFS lineups the past you know year or so. <laughs> um, like both these guys are, are pretty cheap. You know, at forty two hundred, I think for uh, for Clyde Edwards Alaire on, on DraftKings, forty eight hundred from Kinnan. I was surprised they both had like two and a half receptions as a, as a receiving. I think of McKinnon as being the receiving back, and Clyde Edwards Alaire as being like the bruising. Running, you know, running back gets called in at the, the goal line. Um, I, I'm interested. I, I'm kind of toying around, you know, just as a, as the news breaks, the idea of like playing both of them in a lineup for nine thousand, um, and then just rotating that, you know, taking that money and then spending up elsewhere in my lineup. Um, but I do also think there's the possibility that Mahomes just ends up throwing the ball more, um, and maybe it's a, just more of a Patrick Mahomes game, uh, and you don't need the running backs. But it, yeah, it's it's hard to. Uh, parse it out you know with the news just breaking yeah i mean i i would have to look this up but clyde edwards hilaire has like i think like one game in his career over 22 DraftKings points like it's not like he's gonna come out and just post this monster game you know what i mean like he's probably gonna put up you know really good game 14 to 16 DraftKings points um but yeah i mean he, he definitely steps into the mix with all of this uh so i i wanted to get to hot takes a little bit early um you said you've got one Ready or? 
Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to go with Josh Allen is going to outscore every other quarterback on this slate by at least 13 DraftKings points. Ooh, okay. Uh, so that's an interesting one. It, it ties into mine a little bit. I have, I have a non-player specific hot take. I think there's going to be more touchdowns scored in the 4, 4 p.m. games than in the 7, 1 p.m. games. Uh, something when I looked at the schedule, I, I, I couldn't believe there's so many bad games in that 1 p.m. window. And then uh, it, all the players that I want, not all the players, but I'd say like 85% of the players that I, I am interested in this week come in those 4 p.m. games. I think it sets up an interesting like late swap possibility where you're maybe just playing Zach Moss in about 50% of your rosters or less, probably a little bit less. And you just see how Zach Moss does. And you just ignore everything from the 1 p.m. games. And then you're playing either like a standard Patrick Mahomes stack or maybe you're, you're switching to like Joshua Dobbs and Justin Jefferson, right? Like you're taking like equal amounts of salary and just allocating it depending on how your roster is doing so far. Uh, I don't usually do that kind of thing with NFL. Uh, sometimes in NBA, I'll actually skip like the first game. If it's an island game and it's you know projected to have a pretty low total, I'll skip like the first NBA game of the night to, to wait for more news. Um, this one's really interesting on football because I know – I know some people, you know, are like lead swap aficionados and, you know, especially if they're playing a lot of head to heads or, or high dollar or smaller field contests, they'll really see how their lineup is doing and then switch some pretty off the board stuff. Um, if they're behind um, this week, it seems like you could do that in mass, whether you're doing single entry or doing 150 lineups or 20 lineups, you know, or six like single entry lineups, but you could really just see, because you'll probably have like minimal stuff from that, the 1 PM games. Like see how that stuff does and then just adjust accordingly. Yeah, I don't think the field is going to have minimal stuff from the uh, 1 p.m. games because they're all over like, you know, Indianapolis wide receivers and Drake London and uh, I don't know, whatever else everybody wants to be on from those early games. But no, I mean, I like I really like the the Detroit Chicago game is like kind of like we said it the last two weeks. We said like the Philadelphia San Francisco game, the Philadelphia Buffalo game, like bet the over in terms of how you're building your DFS rosters because it can go way over. Uh, that game, that over-under doesn't tell the story of, and it started at 46. And then I think there was weather concerns, like wind concerns. It went all the way down to 40. Now it's back up to 43, uh, was up to 44, I think yesterday. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that game has like really interesting shootout potential. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You could definitely just outside of that, wait for, the late games. And I think that the, one of the things that, that I think is important to think about is like, you see three game slates where like the, the top score in the tournament is 230 points. You know what I mean? Like you can build 200 plus point rosters from just three games. Um, like if the, those are the game environments to go off. So, I mean, I think that sometimes people spread themselves out too far uh, and don't really recognize that you can limit the number of games that you're on in that way. So yeah, no, I like, I like that take a lot. Uh, I looked at Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So in his rookie year, he had a 23.9 pointer, ironically against Buffalo, but uh 23.9 pointer, but 30 touches. Uh, so this is his rookie year. They drafted him in the first round. And then his first game of his career, 22.8 points on uh, 22, 25 carries. Uh, outside of that, he has several like 20.4 point games. And th- those are the best games of his career, 20.4 points in like three different times. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, keep that in mind. Oh, a 20, a 20.9 pointer, a 22.4 pointer, but yeah, keep that in mind. I think, um, as you go through this is, uh, so I had that wrong. It's like three different 22.4 pointers are the best games of his career. And typically he's going to be in the, like the, this 12 to 15 point range. So, I mean, I don't think he's some smash play that you just 
like automatically flock to the way that the field probably will. I'll be, I'm sure, underweight Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but still have my fair share of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, I I think I'll end up with a good amount of him, probably less than I have of of, of Zach Moss. Yeah, um, oh, but absolutely I, for me. I think he's going to project well, like just looking at the props and you know looking at just initial projections and and the fact that he's like 600 cheaper than Derek McKinnon. Um, McKinnon has not done much this year, of course. That obviously came with Isaiah Pacheco. I think people are going to look at this as Derek McKinnon is still going to do nothing. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is just going to get the Isaiah Pacheco stats at 4,200. And I think I think uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to end up with really high ownership. Yeah. Uh, and I think McKinnon might be more of a of a really you know, off-the-board pivot. I mean, I think I'll get some ownership, but I think it'll be more among people like trying to galaxy brain it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think if you like McKinnon more, and I kind of do, I, I think like you want McKinnon more in a game that's going to be high scoring. Um, which is like, so if you're stacking this game, like you definitely, no, not definitely. You, you probably want more McKinnon than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I don't think that's the way the field is going to play it. Speaking of the field, um, like, you know, the of the 1 p.m. games, I think one of the people I'm really interested in is Justin Fields. Um, you know, I think there's a possibility that maybe my rosters from the 1 p.m. games are Justin Fields, like Lamar Jackson and Zach Moss you know, spread out amongst 150 rosters to some extent. And then, you know, pivoting for the 1 p.m. or for the 4 p.m. slots based on how those three guys do in the 1 p.m. games. Um, you know, what do you think about, you know, just the quarterback position in general? Like, are you high on Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I always play Lamar Jackson at like a dramatically lower rate than the field. Um which means that I miss out on, you know, when he had like the two big games last year, he's had one monster game this year, like two really solid games for his price tag. Um, so that's five games in the last two years that I kind of missed out on. Right. But then I also miss out on all of his 12 to 19 point games, which is his typical game. Um, so I won't be on him, but I mean, uh, I never like talk him down. I just don't have a good feel for when Lamar Jackson's going to hit. Um, yeah. Justin, to me, it's like Justin Fields, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, the, like these takeover types of games, I'll, I'll like, I'll won't waste all the time talking about it here, but like what makes the chiefs defense so good. Isn't like something that's going to give Josh Allen as many problems as the typical quarterback, you know what I mean? And so um, like he has a greater potential to break through in this matchup than most quarterbacks and people aren't likely to treat it that way. They're likely to I mean, currently like sub 3%, right? So even if he gets up to 4%, 5%, um, just the fact that like he could easily put up like a 19 point game, but just the fact that, he can go for 35 to 40 and like we, I mean, even field, right. He put up 30 twice this year, but with his arm against Denver and Washington, bad Denver, like before they got things figured out and the Washington pass defense. And then he has like the two 40 pointers from last year that everything else from him is like 24 points and below. Right. So um, just to kind of highlight, we can have a week where Purdy scoring 22 at high ownership and fields is scoring 24 and uh, Lamar Jackson scoring 19. And then like Josh Allen comes out with 39. So to me, my quarterback pool is really like, Justin Fields and Josh Allen. <laughs> like I might not have much beyond, like I'm going to maybe save 10, 15% of my roster is going to mix and match some other pieces. But like, yeah, these two guys to me are, are what the way, what this slate points to in terms of what could win you a tournament. It's, it's interesting. Like Lamar Jackson versus Justin Fields um, on FanDuel, the price difference is just 100, a uh, hundred dollars. Right. So 80, 80, uh, yeah, 8,000 for Lamar, 7,900 for Justin Fields. And at equal price, um, I probably like Lamar a little bit, but I'd, I'd probably end up like a higher percentage of, of fields. 
uh, on DraftKings, Lamar is what, 900 more? Yeah, 7,700 versus yeah. 6,800. Um, and I, but I think Fields is going to end up with a lot of ownership. Not necessarily that that's a bad thing, right? Like sometimes the field does go to the right player. Um, but there's also like a big gap between Justin Fields and Justin Herbert, um, who is the next high, next most expensive guy. Um, there's like a $700 price difference. And that can really draw ownership to like to the guy that's cheaper and things like that. Yeah. Right yeah. Um, I actually don't mind Justin Herbert either, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. I think he's going to see like much less ownership than even like as is projected. Um, but I think he's more of a guy that I would pivot to. Like, you know, if I do that 1 p.m., 4 p.m. kind of pivot thing, I think he's going to come in with pretty low ownership. And this could be the week the Chargers put it together. Like, they're just probably not as bad as they've looked recently. Um, so I, I think and I think Keenan Allen is, a, you know, always a natural stacking partner for Justin Herbert. Um, so that might be a direction that I go in. Nice. Yeah. I mean, another thing I like about Fields is just, like, who do you stack him with? It's so straightforward that, you know, one of the values of getting a your quarterback right is that you can get two spots right. You know what I mean? And I like when you get Sam Howell, right, which I've done five times this year, but like how many times have I gotten that second spot right with him, you know, or uh, if Russell Wilson goes for 25 points, you know, and everybody who rosters Russ gets those points, like how many of them actually get like a second score with that? Um, whereas with fields like DJ Moore, five of his last six games with fields have been 19 plus DraftKings points, you know? So it's like, they don't throw to Darnell Moody. They don't throw to Equiminius St. Brown. It's like it, Cole Komet gets some targets and then it's all DJ Moore. So uh, I like that component with, with fields as well. It's like, if you get fields, right, you're getting DJ Moore, maybe not to like a tournament winning score, but like you're getting on a week where there might not be a lot of really solid scores. You might hit a lot of landmines. You're getting like a solid score to potentially a tournament winning score. So uh, I like that about fields as well. It's interesting. The spreadsheet I have open, right next to this window is, is DJ Moore's stats like the last eight weeks. <laughs> Cause I wanted to average up like his, his stats with Justin Fields versus, um, you know, the Tyson Bajant, um, yeah. for, for a blurb I was writing. Right. <laughs> um, or I guess it was for my article. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, DJ Moore statistics with Justin Fields. I didn't get like a, a bad game the first week. And then, you know, like a, I think reasonable game the second week. Um, and then after that, yeah, it's just been like bananas. Yeah, I mean, thirteen. His only bad game was against the Kansas City pass defense. So it's like nineteen point four, thirty point one, fifty two point zero, twenty two six, twenty five four. So um, yeah, I mean, for, somehow he's not like projecting for super high ownership, which is sort of weird. You see, like Russ is currently plus ten percent, ten percent plus, and then like Judy and Sutton are both like around six percent. So you're like, who? What are you? What? How are you playing? Russ, what's your approach? But yeah, like, I feel like we're not going to see a lot of more one-offs and, and, you know, even some fields without more. And so um, I think he's a nice little edge this week. Yeah. And my other Justin Fields stat, I, I think other people have referenced this, uh, but yeah, I saw that he's put up hundred yards rushing in each of his last three games against Detroit. Yeah. He also <laughs> added a passing touchdown in, in each of those games um, in Detroit. The last two years gives up the most rushing yards to quarterbacks but it's actually just because of Justin Fields. Like yeah. if you take out the Justin Fields games, like they don't give up. Um, I actually don't know if they're still a high number, but it's, it's not the highest, right? It's just that Fields has gone for like 130 yards against them. Uh, so that adds to like the, you know, their 30 or so average rushing yards they give up to quarterbacks. But, but like, yeah, 130 of it, or, or last year, you know, 200 something of it came 
from Justin Fields, and that elevated the line to you know to be this like defense that. Yeah, I mean, Lamar had nine for 36 against them. Obviously, like, they were dominating that game, so he didn't have to run a bunch. But um, it's not like they're just, like, automatically just giving up huge yards. But Fields has definitely done great uh, on the ground against that defense. Yeah. Um, so other places to go, I guess, like, in in general, is, like, what do you think about the 1 p.m. games? Is like, other than Justin Fields, um, is there anything you like? From the, there's one spot that I think sticks out to me. Um, I'm interested in other than Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, one stock spot that sticks out to me, anything in particular you think you'll be going to. Yeah. I mean, I think that Indy and I think Indy and Cincy are, are (laughs) really interesting. Was that the one you were going to say? Yeah, exactly. That's the exact one I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, you know, Indy so pace up. So this is their last, uh, their last five games that were not against new England and Carolina. Okay. The game totals for them, 58, 47, 65, 77, 57. And then the last four Bengals games, uh, they had a 26-pointer against Pittsburgh. So work around that, and you've got 65, 54, and 57. So uh, Bengals' defense has been really bad this year. Colts' defense gives up their – they give up big plays because they're trying to make big plays on defense. And, uh, you know, Brown. I was really bummed that Browning had that big game on Monday Night Football because I said it, like, when he first took over, like, just the his fit in Zach Taylor's offense and the way Zach Taylor runs his offense, like – he was going to be capable of having some big games, just feeding the ball to Jamar Chase and, and getting things done that way. So a uh, little bit bummed that his ownership's going to go up, but I also don't think it's just chasing points to go to him. And that's definitely a game that, um, you know, it has that type of potential. You look at me, you're like, oh, this actually combined for 60 plus points, you know, like that's a legit shootout. And these guys are all kind of underpriced for that. Yeah. I, it was the exact game that I was going to say, um, just because like the, the Jake Browning game came out after pricing. Um, so you can't go back and adjust his pricing. So he's really too cheap than he should be. Um, and that, like, that means something, right? Like, like getting a competent quarterback at, at cheaper than you know, he should be priced. Like that allows you to get combinations of players, of higher price players you can't get otherwise. Um, and if I'm going to be playing a good amount of Zach Moss anyway, like I might as well pair that and make it a full stack. And that gets that line up a little bit different. And I think that's like a very valid single entry you know, strategy is just, you know, a lot of people are probably going to be playing Zach Moss, like add Jamar Chase and Jake Browning, and suddenly you have a game stack. And, you know, part of the reason that Zach Moss is projecting somewhat well is because that game has a little bit of a higher total. Um, And I think it is a game that could go over that total. Um, And, like, you know, Jamar Chase can kind of succeed even if if Browning is not having a great game um, because he can just absorb so much of the targets and so much of the receiving yards. Um, and at Jake Browning's price, he doesn't need a tremendous game. Like, you know, he doesn't kill you with a, with just a, an average or a good game for him. Uh, so yeah, that's one game that I'm, I'm interested in. That yeah. As game. you were saying that too, I mean, it made me think Jamar Chase is 7,600, right. And, and Michael Pittman's 7,100 or 7,300. And like Michael Pittman's going to have five X the ownership of Jamar chase. And like the, the thinking is like, Oh, Jamar chase has Jake Browning throwing the ball. Like Michael Pittman has Gardner Minshew throwing him the ball. I mean, both of them just need a lot of targets to pile up. I, I do think that people are going to underestimate like the chances of Jamar chase having a big game here because you get 16 targets, then you can hit. Right. And, and, so, and he can hit it. I mean, he can do it on two catches because he can catch a short pass and break off a big game. Whereas Pittman kind of just needs those 16 targets to pile up. So uh, no, I mean, I think I, I really like that angle. I hadn't even thought about that, like pricing component of just how closely those two are priced and, and how broad the gap is in ceiling between those two. It, 
Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if Jamar Chase is going to be that low owned, but if he is, I think that's great. Um, because uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of people you know say that they're looking forward to playing Jamar Chase. I think he's going to come in higher owned. Like I, okay. I bet Chase comes in at equal to the ownership of, of Pittman or higher. Because also, uh, like Browning, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he's equal to the ownership of Pittman. Well, because Browning is priced too low, especially on DraftKings. And people are going to just put a setting like to stack their quarterback with one wide receiver and then just crank out a lineup. And, and some of those lineups are just going to be Browning and, and Jamar Chase. Um, and then, you know, they're going to see, oh, Zach Moss is in there too. And they're going to go, okay, this works. And I, I, I think it does work. I just think other people are going to see that. And if they don't, I got you. that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, another guy priced in this range, uh, Chris Olave with, with Jameis stepping in. I think he's, I mean, not a good matchup, but one of the things we've talked about with Carolina is, they're not they're they're they have decent talent on defense on the back end but what the reason they're good is like they have good communication good discipline good structure but like we see really good wide receivers break you know justin jefferson had 95 yards and two touchdowns tyree kill had a big game against them uh, mike evans had the big game against them so uh chris alave i think is another one where uh with Jameis slinging the ball to him you know he could he could break off some big plays there's some interesting pieces in this um in this price range and even up to Justin Jefferson, who I think people will be a little bit scared to play because of the unknowns of, of Josh Dobbs. And so I think that there's, you know, we've talked about this this year that Christian McCaffrey, he's so safe, but like this isn't Christian McCaffrey on the Panthers where he was their only weapon. And he saw 10 to 14 targets a game. He usually sees, he averages like five to five and a half targets a game. Right. And like 17 carries. So like he's got to score the touchdowns. He's got to typically he's scoring 22 to 24 points. Um, and so, I mean, I like McCaffrey a lot this week, but kind of like, couldn't Justin Jefferson end up, couldn't McCaffrey score 22 to 24 and Jefferson scores 35 or Chase scores 35 or um, one of these guys scores like, a, you know, a high score that kind of separates from the Christian McCaffrey roster. So I think that's an interesting angle to play this week too, from a strategy perspective. I'm, I'm going to end up under the field on Christian McCaffrey. And it's, you know, I put that as the thing that's going to scare me the most this week on the, the Rotor Grinders expert survey, um, just because yeah, like he's just hits every week, but that's got to stop at some point. I just wish he was a little bit more expensive. Like he should be for his past performance a little bit higher priced, and he is on Fanduel, but not on DraftKings. Um, and so I think I'll end up, especially under the field on on Fanduel, most likely. Um, but I, I do like the idea of taking that salary and allocating it elsewhere. I've been a big Joshua Dobbs fan uh, this year, just because I, I like the idea that you know, he switched teams twice and you know it just keeps winning right i get like five games in a row with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown uh like that's a really hard thing to do for any quarterback and he did it across two different teams you know and arizona you know traded him uh i guess you know cleveland traded him um and he just seems to succeed wherever he goes you know, like minnesota is still alive for the playoffs um and it occurred to me like what if justin jefferson's actually better with joshua dobbs right like what if, and like what if dobbs locks in on on justin jefferson doesn't even have to be a winning NFL thing. It can just be a winning fantasy thing. Um, I, yeah, I think Justin Jefferson's going to go overlooked. Not overlooked, but I think he'll be underplayed. And he's one of those guys that I like the idea of switching. Um, if my 1 p.m. lineup, you know, isn't looking so good, you know, switch, take some of the money that I would maybe have allocated to the the um, Chiefs-Bills game, and I'm switching instead to, like, Joshua Dobbs and, and Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah. Just because, like, that – like, we have – no idea what to expect there, but like Justin Jefferson can put up huge scores. Uh, it so is one of those things where you end up seeing like he projects for like 
5% owned and he is 5% owned at the start and kick off at 1 p.m. games. And then like all the people who are like, I'll, I'll pivot to Justin Jefferson because he's low and like he ends up doubling his ownership through that. But uh, yeah, I could see that happening. But no, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Like there's interesting options on this late slate that you can pivot to to potentially separate from the field. And um, he's definitely one of them for sure. Yeah, and actually just a little bit lower in the price range, Devontae Adams uh, <laughs> is you know, somebody that can be locked in on as well. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, so the then, one who people aren't actually going to pivot to is Devontae Adams. Like, he'll still stay low-owned, uh, you know, even with people pivoting in the late games. Yeah, so you have, like, a game stack right there. I mean, that would be a difficult one with the salary. But, yeah, you have to take the salary from presumably Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, maybe Christian McCaffrey and, and Keenan Allen are becoming um, – and, and some quarterback are becoming – you know, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, and Joshua Dobbs. Um, and you're just hoping that that game goes over. Like, those are two wide receivers. Like, if you had said at the beginning of the year that those are going to be the two highest-priced wide receivers in, in Week 14, you wouldn't have blinked. Um, but, you know, now they're kind of – well, I guess Jefferson's still pretty expensive. Uh, but, you know, Devontae Adams is pretty far down there, or at least down there in the yeah. price rankings. Uh. <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, i guess like that'll just about uh wrap up any any final thoughts on on the week i was talking about all this late stuff late swap stuff my wife's running a uh half marathon on sunday morning so i'm trying I'm actually like in my head i'm like what is the schedule like on sunday because like she wants the kids there at the finish line and um and that'll be at like that'll be like two hours before late games kick off but we'll all go out to like dinner or, or like brunch afterwards so i'll have to figure out what my late swap strategy is like in advance so that i can kind of piece those things together uh on the fly but uh no yeah i mean it's a it's an interesting week it's kind of similar to last week i don't think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of like a plethora of 25 to 30 point DraftKings scores so you know you really got to look for those game environments or those players that can separate because you find those you're so far ahead of the field um in some of these spots this week yeah i, I think it is it's an interesting week it was a week that I first looked at and had a hard time finding anything I liked. And I thought maybe I'm going to end up game stacking, you know, a little bit less. Um, but I do think the Kansas City running back situation does give us some interesting options. And it it makes game stacking a lot easier, if, particularly if you are going to late swap a lot. Like you can start with a game stack of the Chiefs-Bills game now that you maybe couldn't afford earlier. Um, and then you can just pivot to you know, one of the other games, you can pivot to, you know, San Francisco and add some Seattle pieces that maybe a lot of people won't have, or you can switch to, to Minnesota and the Raiders game um, and end up with a lineup that's, you know, maybe different from other people, but also, you know, depending on how your 1 p.m. pieces, uh, you know, turn out, you're either, you know, aiming for a, a tournament winning score um, or just aiming for a min cash. Um, yeah, that'll just about wrap it up for uh, week 14 of Solo Ship. Good luck to everybody, and we'll see you guys next week.